The effort to rescue the Friedrich Rebbe began even before the Rebbe was officially arrested. As soon as the Hasidim heard that the Rebbe had these unwelcome visitors, they realized that nothing good is going to come out of it. In fact, maybe the opposite. So immediately they began contacting people that were connected to the government and tried collecting as much information as they can in order to help clear the name of the Rebbe and know how to fight the accusations, the false accusations that come up against him. The night of the fateful arrest, Rebbe Tzinchaya Mushka, the second daughter of the Friedrich Rebbe, was about to enter the house together with her future husband, our Rebbe. It was one o'clock in the morning and she noticed that the lights were on in her family's apartment and she immediately felt that something was fishy. She turned to the Rebbe and said, I'll go upstairs alone. If everything is fine, I'll call you and then you could come inside. But if there's some uninvited guests, so then I'll open up the shade just a little bit and that will be a sign for you that there's some kind of trouble brewing up and you'll know what to do. A few minutes later, the shades moved just a little bit. The Rebbe understood that there were some GPU officers in the Friedrich Rebbe's home and they were searching for evidence that could turn up to make the Friedrich Rebbe look like a criminal. Immediately, the Rebbe ran to Rabbi Altois's house and together, both of them went to the apartment of Reb Chaim Lieberman, who was the, the personal secretary of the Friedrich Rebbe. They destroyed every piece of paper that might be able to be used as evidence against the Friedrich Rebbe and they left just a couple important documents and they gave them over to Reb Zalman Duchman to keep. Boy were they lucky that they did it immediately because as soon as the last shred of paper was removed they heard a loud knock on the house of Reb Chaim's house. Who was there? You can guess it was the GPU officers. They came to look for some evidence but it was too late because it was all destroyed. Already the next morning at 7 o'clock, the Cheshavah members of the Jewish community met in the home of the Friedrich Rebbe in order to see what can they do on behalf of the Rebbe. The first plan that came to mind was maybe to use the ties that they had in different countries, for example in England, and to connect with government members over there in order to put pressure on the Russian government to help out the situation. That idea was pushed away because the Hasidim said that at this time Russia wasn't really getting along with other countries in Europe. And if you're going to use ties from other countries, it might help but on the other hand, they might use that as proof that the Friedrich Rebbe is a spy working for other countries who are trying to fight Russia. And instead of helping, it might make the situation worse. So the next option that they had was to go to the head of the Russian government directly to the top and 
work things out that way. Some Hasidim didn't like that option. They said that things could end up being worse instead of better. Why? Because the GPU, the local police officers, they are the ones that arrested the Friedrich Rebbe. And if they see that we Hasidim are going to go to the top government and not work with the GPU officers to figure out something, they're going to say, why are you not coming to us? Why are you going to the top? Maybe there's something suspicious going on over here. And what could end up happening is that people, even prisoners that didn't deserve to be harmed and would have been let out, when they see, when the GPU officers see that they went to the top government, they might cause that the prisoners should disappear. So some Hasidim didn't like that option. So there was only one option left. And that was to go directly to the GPU, which were located in Leningrad. And this had to be done very carefully, because it was well known that Messing, who was the head of the GPU in Leningrad, was a big anti-Semite. So they were about to do the third choice of going to the GPU, but then they heard the news that the GPU in Leningrad decided that they want to chas v'shalom execute the Friedrich Rebbe, chas v'shalom. So at that point they decided, you know what, let's go to the higher authorities, let's go to the top in Moscow, and we have nothing to lose and everything to gain, let's see what we can do. So on Masei Shabbos, they sent the old-fashioned email, which was known as a telegram, to the president and to the prime minister and to the head of the GPU in Moscow. They also informed the Jewish community leaders throughout Russia about the Rebbe's arrest and asked them to go and plead to the government that he should be released. Hashkacha Pratis caused that they should be led to a woman whose name was Mrs. Peshkova, who had an important job in the Russian government and was well respected. She agreed to do whatever she could, and actually she was helpful in having the Rebbe released from jail. The committee did not rest for a moment because they were racing against time because they knew that there was a death sentence that was awaiting the Friedrich Rebbe, and at any moment it could be carried out. Jews all over Russia sent private letters to the government pleading that they should help and take away the sentence that was awaiting the Friedrich Rebbe. Baruch Hashem, miracles upon miracles, all of the effort that was made turned out to be successful. The government in Moscow changed the sentence that instead of it being a death sentence, it's going to be 10 years of exile in Solovki, which was a faraway place in Russia. The excitement over the great news spread all over, and Hasidim were rejoicing with happiness when they found out about the good news that the Friedrich Rebbe would not be killed. But shortly after, they were left with mixed feelings. They were happy that the Friedrich Rebbe was alive, but on the other hand, 
where's he going? He's going to exile for 10 years? That's not a pretty thing. It was like a nightmare where few people that were sent there survived. Solovki was such a faraway place and it was so cold and hard to live there that even army officials would not agree to be stationed there to stand guard on post. Instead, some of the worst criminals who were sentenced to be in exile in Solovki for many, many years, they would be stationed there as officers and in exchange they would get a few years off of their sentence. So the rescue committee decided that they're going to have to continue doing whatever they could do in order to take the Friedrich Rebbe out of this terrible situation. Their main goal was to try to prevent the government from actually deporting him there. If that wasn't possible, they hoped to postpone the punishment, that he wouldn't be sent to exile until later. And this way, they could have more time, and in that time, they could try to work things out. And if, chas v'shalom, the government would refuse to delay the Rebbe's sentence, so then, they would try to convince the officials that the Rebbe should be able to travel there on the regular rail, to take the regular train, and not use the transportation which was made for prisoners. Once again, Mrs. Peshkova stepped in and she said she'll try her utmost to help the Rebbe gain the full freedom that he deserves. The Rebbe was scheduled to travel to the place of exile on Wednesday, on Choftes Sivan, exactly two weeks after he was arrested. That morning, Hasidim gathered at the prison gate in order that maybe they, should, they, sh they would be able to catch a glimpse of the Rebbe before he boarded. The way it worked was that when prisoners were, se were sent out to exile, their family members were allowed to enter the prison and see them before they would leave. So the Friedrich Rebbe's family as well entered the prison to be able to speak to the Friedrich Rebbe before his journey. But the strange thing was that the Friedrich Rebbe was not together with the other prisoners who were waiting to be deported. Chassidim realized that the Rebbe was high up on the third floor. Everyone was confused. If the Rebbe is going to be transported away together with the other prisoners, why wasn't he together with them? Why was he still in his cell? Mrs. Peshkova was working behind the scenes and after much negotiation, she convinced the Prime Minister to send a letter to the Leningrad prison saying that they should lessen the sentence of the Friedrich Rebbe. There were, there were rumors going around that the Friedrich Rebbe was not going to be freed. He was going to go to exile. But instead of going together with the other prisoners, it was, he was going to be delayed and he was going to go that evening. But the pris prison officials in Leningrad did not want to say a word. They didn't want to confirm the rumor or go against it, which led that everyone should be confused. The Friedrich Rebbe's family decided 
to go to Mrs. Peshkova and ask her what was going on. They were really surprised and happy when they heard the news that the Rebbe would not have to go to Slovakia at all. Lulov was furious with the way things turned out. He was actually looking forward to seeing how the Rebbe would be punished for his crimes that he did against the government. So he brought the Rebbe into the interrogation room for a third time, and he hoped that maybe he could ask some kind of a question and, and get some kind of answer from the Friedrich Rebbe, which, would, which he could use against the Friedrich Rebbe and be able to use it as proof that the Friedrich Rebbe was a criminal. And this way, he could keep him behind bars. Over the course of the next few days, a lot went on, which caused a total turn in events, as you shall see in the next segment.